Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Today's going to blast out a lot of misconceptions and a lot of, you know, as a preacher, the job we have as preachers is literally we're spiritual plumbers. We have to plumb out every clog in the pipe that's preventing the power of God to get to you or to get to people that in this case that are sick, diseased, tormented by unclean spirits or whatnot. The, a preacher's job is to plumb out the bad doctrine, the bad thinking, the bad reasoning of the mind that's outside of God's word so as to create a pipeline that flows uh, that allows the power of God to flow from God to you. You have to see it that way. You know, that's why sometimes electricians can get, can understand the power of God a lot better than most people, even preachers. Because as an electrician, you understand that there are things that conduct electricity. And then there's things that put a, 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 a bar on electricity's ability to flow from uh, in the current. And so a preacher's job like a plumber, like an electrician, is to make sure that everything is conducive for the power of God to run from God because knowing that God is all-powerful is wonderful. Knowing that God can heal is wonderful. Knowing that, you know, that's step one. You have to believe. You know, he that comes to God must believe that he is. You have to believe that he is a healer. You have to believe that God is able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask, think, or imagine according to His glorious power that is at work in you. You know, you have to believe that the Bible says that with God nothing shall be impossible. The Bible says very clearly that I am the Lord God of all flesh is anything too difficult for me. You have to believe that, that God can do the impossible. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church that he would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God's power so that you can see the surpassing greatness of his power that is available towards you. But just knowing that God is all powerful will not help you one bit. Just like knowing you have $10 million in the bank but not having the pin so that when you slide that debit card in in the ATM to withdraw the money, if you don't have the pin to access that money, to know how to withdraw that money so that you can benefit from a lucre, uh, you know, a, a, a $10 million bank account, that $10 million is worth nothing. There was a lady in Charles Spurgeon's day. She had a a, 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 a certificate looking thing on her wall that was hanging on her wall. She was a maid her whole life for a very wealthy man. He died and in his inheritance, he left her this certificate looking thing that she framed and put it up on a wall because she thought it looked neat. But she actually resented her old boss because she had worked her whole life for this man as a maid. And she thought they had a good relationship. And so she expected that in the, in the will, you know, she, that the man would leave a little more than a, a piece of paper for her. So she got discouraged and, you know, she didn't really care much for it. She just hung it on the wall and that was it. Charles Spurgeon was going to do a, a, a visit, just going to pray for her. She, she was part of his church and he, so he eyed it on the wall and he looked at, he looked at it and he, it caught his eye because he, you know, it looked old and nice and fancy and it had nice signatures on it. So he asked her, do you mind if I take this piece of sheet, uh, sheet of paper and bring it to, um, 
uh, to like a, a notary so that he can examine it and see what it what it means because you know he didn't understand it. It was like a law. It looked like a legal document. So he she ends up saying, "Sure, do whatever you want with it." He goes that afternoon and shows uh, a notary exactly what it was. He starts to examine it and he finds out that this was actually uh, an inheritance slip that left her $30,000, which back in the day, this was like 1800s, $30,000 was like, you know, goodness gracious, in 1800s, that was a lot of money, millions perhaps even to this today. And he brought it back to her and explained to her. But do you understand that until she found out what actually belonged to her, that valuable piece of paper just hung on her wall as like some museum artifact that it benefited her not one thing. And I believe that's, a way, that's the way a lot of people look at the Bible. They hang it. You know, they have these beautiful leather-bound Bibles. They have these beautiful gold-plated, you know, gold sheets of paper. And they, they just lay it on their, 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 their bed, you know, their, uh, what do you call it? That thing you let, your um, bed table, your night table. And it collects dust year after year. And the only time it's cracked open is on Sunday mornings, not knowing that within this book is the power of God. That when believed on, that power, God is all powerful in heaven. But that does me no good on earth. But the word of God is the vehicle that brings the power of God from heaven to my life to break me free and then empower me to break others free. And I'm going to show you today seven checkpoints on your way to divine healing. So that not only will you live a life free from sickness, but God will empower you through these checkpoints, through these points that I'm going to expound on today, to help others that are bound by satanic torment, satanic oppression in their body. God's will is not for you to be sick. God's will is not for you to live a life of, of sickness and disease, just like God's will was not for you to live a life of sin and of unrighteousness. You have to understand, when you came to Christ, the Bible says He was made sin who knew no sin that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In the same vein, He made Him who knew no sickness to become sick on our behalf so that we could become the, the health of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says very clearly, Jesus came as the balm of Gilead. The balm of Gilead, a healing balm to break a generation free from, from Satan's scheme regarding men's physical bodies. The Bible says the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. But Satan in the Garden of Eden, what was his ploy? How did he get man out of the Garden of Eden? How did he get man out of God's perfect uh, promise for, for man's life? How did he get man out of God's will for his life? By getting him to doubt God's word concerning them. Did God really say, you know, like I started off by saying, not many people believe that uh, God can't heal. I mean, you can go and see even some people who don't even go to church, people that are on, you can go to any guy walking on the street. He might even have like a pentagram tattoo. And if you ask him if God can do something, he'll say, of course, God, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. However, just knowing that God can 
does not help you. You have to understand that God will do it for you. Because there's a lot of people in the church that have no problem bragging about God's ability. And how, you know, I remember in 1978, I was in a meeting with R.W. Shambach and I saw three people get out of wheelchairs. Oh, what God can do if someone would believe. Well, do you believe God can do it for you today? You're in a wheelchair. Well, no, you have to understand that God has a perfect will regarding every situation. As if God is in the heavens with like a lottery section. And he has lottery balls just running. And then all of a sudden... Boom, now serving. Number 68. Number 68, you're up for healing. That's not how God works. The Bible says in every nation, the man who comes to God is welcome to him. And if you're welcome to him, then you're welcome to everything that God has. Because remember, God has an entourage. When God comes into your home, he doesn't come empty-handed and he doesn't come without an entourage. God has an entourage. The moment he comes into a home, the moment he enters into your life, he brings with him righteousness. He brings with him healing. He brings with him prosperity. He brings with him every good and perfect gift that heaven has to offer. To he doesn't come empty-handed you see it in, in when jesus goes to simon peter's mother-in-law's house he walks in and he sees her there lying sick with a fever did he just leave her there and say well how many of you know god works in mysterious ways no he went to her and he touched her just think of the irritation god has towards sickness and disease he couldn't stay more than 10 minutes in simon peter's house Seeing his mother-in-law sick with a fever, he couldn't stay 10 minutes. The moment he identified sickness in her body, saw her lying there complaining, you know, tossing from side to side on her bed, not being able to break this fever. And you know, if you had a fever back in those days, it, it wasn't good news. You, you, Today, you know, they have all kinds of medical advancement and uh, they can maybe help give you medication to break a fever. Back then, they didn't have any of that. If they had a fever, that fever had continued on and... Uh, a lot of people died because it just it just it it grew and first of all fever is a sign of a problem in the in the whole body a fever is just your body trying to break free from a sickness it's your body's response to sickness so who knows what she had all they knew was that she had a fever but who knows what she really had maybe it was cancer maybe it was the initial steps to cancer who knows what she had but jesus sees her there lying there with sick infirm not being able to serve God the way she desired to do it and he immediately went to her touched her and told her rise up and when she did he rebuked the fever and the fever left her and she arose and served him immediately some of you are in a sickbed you have something in your body that prevents you from serving God fully you know you've always told God if God would just heal me of this sickness I, I promise you Lord I'll serve you I'll, I'll go into the ministry I'll do everything in my power to advance your kingdom but because you know Lester Sumrall anyone heard of Lester Sumrall he had tuberculosis in the early 1900s and uh, people were dying left right and center from that there was no vaccine there was nothing so he was hacking up blood he was 17 or 16 years old hacking up blood and uh, doctors came told his mom just get ready he's gonna die he probably won't make it through the night well that night he had a vision and the lord showed him a casket on his left side and a microphone and a, a pulpit on the right side and the lord spoke to him and said i will heal you 
But you have to promise that you'll come and preach for me and, and serve me relentlessly. And he said, well, that casket don't look too good. I'd rather be a preacher than, I, than die and, and, and go to hell. So he, because he never liked te- uh, preachers. He grew up in a home where his father was against preachers. So he had a bad, a bad view of preachers. So Lord showed him on the left side of casket and on the right side was a, a microphone in a pulpit. And the Lord asked him, you re- not asked him, he told him, you're either going to die and go to hell or you'll pick up a mic and, and preach for me. And even though he didn't like preachers, he said, I'm going to preach for you. So the, when he decided that in his spirit, the next morning he woke up totally healed and he was sitting down at his breakfast table eating whatever, his breakfast uh, meal. And his, his mother came in and saw him there. And freaked out because the doctor had come the night before telling him, telling them that he wasn't going to make it through the night. Not only did he make it through the night, he was healthy, whole and strong the very next morning. And then two, three weeks later, he hadn't gotten down to preaching. He hadn't started. He hadn't fulfilled his end of the deal with God. So the Lord told him, don't you remember what I told you? You're to preach. And he... He, he had been postponing it because he really didn't want to do it. But then he remembered, you know, I'd rather preach than get, get back to what I had, tuberculosis, hacking up blood from the lungs. So he started preaching. He found an old, uh, like a, a, a farming town, and he rented out one of the main auditoriums and just started preaching with all the pigs outside, chickens, roosters, every all the farm noises. And he began to preach. And... Uh, he didn't, he, he said, I didn't, for the first like two years of my ministry, I didn't preach because I love people. I preached because I didn't want to die. But it, I, I don't believe I'm talking to people who have hostility towards preachers. I believe I'm talking to people who you've had a desire to serve God. You've had something in your heart where you want to do something great for God, but you have diabetes that, or you have no a, a kidney that's missing. You have to do dialysis. And you've told the Lord, Lord, if you'll just heal me, I, I'll serve you. I'll do everything you've ever asked me to do. Well, let me tell you, when we get through these seven checkpoints and you apply them, the power of God is going to sweep you your way and take you out of that sickness today. And as he does, God will set you forth on a journey with him where the same God that delivered you will work in and through you to set a generation free from the assault of hell in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, just type amen in the comment section. Check. Checkpoint number one that I want to go through. Seven checkpoints on your way to divine healing. Checkpoint number one. Understand that it is God's will to heal you. The greatest barrier to healing in men's physical bodies is their inability to understand that God desires for you to walk in health. The first thing you have to know is that God wants the, the checkpoint. The first, if you're going to move on to your healing, settle it, conclude it today in your spirit. Seal it in your heart. Healing is for me. The Bible says, whosoever shall believe in his heart and not doubt, Not just not doubt God's ability, but God's willingness to do it for you. And not doubt in his heart that God wills to heal you. But shall believe. He shall have whatever he says. 
For with the heart man believes. Not just believe God's able to heal me, but I believe God will heal me. Because whosoever meaneth me. If Jesus said, whosoever shall believe and not doubt, he'll have whatever he says. Whosoever means me. That doesn't mean everyone but me. It means me. The Bible says very clearly, Jesus was the exact representation of God's nature and purpose on the earth. And Jesus didn't go around finding healthy people and making them sick. Jesus didn't locate kids that were running around without any problems and then trip them up and lay diabetes on them so that they, you know, would have insulin problems the rest of their life and not be able to eat what they want to eat. Jesus didn't go to someone who was an athlete and say, you look too happy and joyful running around. Here, let me give you blood pressure problems. That's not the way Jesus ran his ministry. The Bible says, I'm going to read it right now. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. It's important to get a, pic a true picture of God's ways and thoughts concerning you if you're going to walk in God's ways and plans concerning you. If you're all messed up on God's will, you know, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. So sickness is definitely not good. Sickness is definitely not perfect. If it was good, then God would have it in heaven. If sickness was good and perfect, then God would have it in heaven. But you notice that there is no sickness in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. And Jesus said, you're to pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just waiting for heaven to, to benefit on God's system. We're not waiting for heaven to finally be blessed. We're not waiting for heaven to finally partake of God's inheritance for us. Paul did not pray that God would open the eyes of your understanding so you would know that one day when you cross that pearly gate and drag your sorry behind past that pearly gate as St. Peter watches you go by, you'll finally walk in... No. That God would open up your eyes to see now what is the hope of His calling. Not His calling in heaven. His calling here. To see the surpassing greatness of God's power to us who believe here and now. God's promises are not for tomorrow and uh, for eternity. God's promises are for here and now. Jesus is not the one who was and the one who is to come. He's the one who uh, was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. And if God did it in times past under the old covenant, the Bible says under the old covenant, there was none feeble or weak amongst all their tribes. The Bible says under the old covenant, not one of the Israelites as they walked in line with God's will got sick. Not only did they not get sick, the Bible notes that none of them were even weak. None of them even had weakness or infirmity. None of them have to stop along the way and get the other two million or three million Israelites in the wilderness to stop because they had run out of breath because they couldn't keep up on the way. None of them have to stop because, you know, hold on, I have to go back. One of my friends fell as a paralytic and I'm going to have to carry him on my, on my shoulders. And if we could just cut the pace a little bit through this wilderness, uh, it'd be good for it. No, none of them were weak. None, all of them, not only were they not weak, their sandals never uh, withered away and their clothes never ran, never uh, expired. Their clothes never withered out. Supernaturally preserved. And that's not for any, you know, that wasn't just by accident. God said in Exodus 15, 26. You know, everybody loves to believe God that, you know, we're forgiven from sin and 
We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That the Bible says that um, one of the redemptive names of God is Jehovah Sikenu, which means God is our righteousness. Nobody ever contests that because if you contest that, then you're still in sin and you're on your way to hell. So nobody ever comes against that. Nobody ever uh, has any opposition to that. But then when it comes to God's healing power, that's when people, you know, back off and, and, and start coming up with questions and all kinds of theoretical drama and twisting the scriptures to try and get people to understand why they didn't get healed. Rather than, get, try, rather than try to get people to understand why God won't heal them, why don't we as preachers, as ministers of the gospel, from the word of God, try to get people to understand why the healing power of God hasn't reached their body yet? It's not that God won't heal you. It's that we have to clear the clutter before God can enter in and clear the house of your body from sickness and disease. So if we won't discuss Jehovah Tzikenu, the Lord our righteousness, Exodus 15, 26 says, if you'll diligently hearken my word and do everything that I've commanded you, I will beat you. I am the Lord your healer. Jehovah Rapha. So if we have resolved that he is Jehovah Tzikenu, that he is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is present, Jehovah uh, Sha'a, which means the God who is my shepherd, that he is Jehovah, uh, the Lord my sanctifier, that he is Jehovah Jireh, 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 the God who provides for me, then we have to come to the conclusion that when God said in Exodus 15, 26, he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, then God's, God's healing power is not something... God, God doesn't heal people. God is healing. And when He comes your way, healing manifests wherever God is. Luke 5, 17, the Bible says that when there were um, certain Pharisees and scribes of the law sitting by Jesus, the Bible says as He taught them, the power of the Lord was present there to heal them that were sick. That's why I'm taking time to teach today. Because as you teach, when you speak the word of God, he sent forth his word and the word carries healing virtue. That when you plug in, when you connect with that word, like the woman with the issue of blood connected to Jesus, Jesus was going around touching many people, healing many. But that woman was noted in Mark chapter 5 as not waiting for Jesus to come her way to touch her. But she made it a point. I'm not going to wait for him to touch me I'm gonna touch him let me tell you there's a lot of people that are waiting for a touch from God they're waiting for their physical healing to manifest healing's not something you wait for healing is something you reach for and we're not reaching forward we're reaching backwards when Jesus Christ bore your sickness he carried your pains we esteemed him smitten stricken of God and afflicted but he was pierced through for your transgressions he was bruised for your iniquities and by his stripes you were healed Jesus came to take stripes on his back he took those stripes those Roman whips had 39 lashes so that every time he would take one stripe that was 39 stripes on his back he didn't just take 39 stripes he took 39 times 39 stripes he took and they had hooks that would dig deep into the skin into the flesh and the muscle tissue and as they pulled back it would rip off muscle tissue sometimes even bones Jesus didn't go through that just just to you know follow out some 
Roman execution method. He went through that to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, that by his stripes, I took these stripes on my back so that you can break free, so that you can be whole in your body, so that you don't have to stay sick another day in your life. But the curse of sickness is broken as the blood dripped from his back by those Roman stripes. The curse of sickness was losing its grip on you. Now the curse of sin and sickness no longer lays hold on you. You are free and whom the sun sets free is free and totally free indeed. The enemy's going to try and get you to doubt that. Well, brother, that's spiritual healing the Bible's talking about. If it was spiritual healing, if, first of all, we didn't need spiritual healing. We needed spiritual resurrection. He, Ephesians 2.1, you who were dead in your sins, you were dead in your sins. You weren't sick in your sins. You were dead in your sins. The Bible says when Adam ate of that apple, he experienced spiritual death. And Romans 5 says death reigned through Adam. Death reigned through Adam. There was no way to break free from death. What is sickness? Sickness is just a means to the end, which is death. Sickness came as a result of the fall. Sickness was not present in Eden. Sickness was not prevalent in Eden. There wasn't, Adam wasn't going around asking Eve for tissues to wipe his runny nose because he had caught the coronavirus or some flu. Sickness was not present in Eden and it won't be present in heaven. And Jesus said, pray that my will be done here as it is in heaven. The whole reason Christ came was to restore the glory of Eden so that those who are born again are born from above our citizenship in heaven. So that though the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, we are born from above. God's seed abides in us. And as such, the wicked one can no longer touch me and can no longer touch you. I tell you, every spirit of infirmity, every plague of long continuance, every demon assigned to your physical health to rob you of your, of your glorious destiny in Christ, to keep you down, to keep you burdened by the heaviness of sickness, not being able to eat what you want to eat, not being able to go where you want to go, not being able to do what you want to do. That sickness blasts off your life today. It gets blasted off your life today. It gets expelled from your body today in in the name of Jesus Christ because God's will is for you to be healed and if God wills it then that settles it and I'm not going to stop at anything to make that my reality the devil notwithstanding the greatest barrier to healing is, under, is people not understanding that it's God's will almost every time that I get people to understand that God, that God indeed wills for them to be healed, and I'll explain from the scriptures like I'm going to do right now, almost every time that person is immediately healed or healed before I even pray for them. They're either, prayed the moment, they're either healed the moment I pray for them or healed before I even get to praying for them. Just from the revelation of that, of that, uh, that, uh, that doctrine, that side of God. There was a guy named Norval Hayes. Norval Hayes was a minister. In uh, he, he passed away, went to heaven. But in the 1900s, a, a phenomenal faith and healing preacher. When he got saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, he and understood God's power and, and, and he had experienced healing and stuff. He asked, his, he asked the Lord, why didn't my mother get healed? Because his mother died at 34 years old of cancer. And he went on a three-day fast. Asking the Lord, Lord, why didn't my mother get healed? 
Why couldn't you heal her? Why don't I have her anymore? And the Lord thundered in his, in his spirit. It's not that I didn't want to heal her. I couldn't heal her. <coughs> Norville Hayes couldn't understand. He, he, he couldn't understand that statement. He said, what do you mean you couldn't heal her? Aren't, can't you do anything? You're God. The Lord said, it's not that I didn't want to heal her. I couldn't heal her because she didn't know. She did not understand that I wanted her healed. She was all messed up in religious jargon that tells you and feeds you crap like the days of healing are past. How many of you know sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says maybe. We got to trust the process. And so because she had believed that, the Lord told Norval Hayes, I couldn't heal her because she didn't know I wanted her well. She didn't believe that my will for her was for her to walk in health and vitality. So she died, she died prematurely. That's why I'm doing this broadcast. This broadcast is going to save some lives today. I really believe that. Some of you, had you not turned into this broadcast, you would have probably died or continued living with that thing the rest of your life. But today, you're going to do like David. I will live and not die because God wills for me to live and not die. And I will tell of the works of the Lord forever. David said, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Not in heaven. The goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. You will see God's goodness. God's goodness. Man, I mean, there's a song that they used to sing in my Bible college. Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. And people were expecting some like glory cloud to enter into the room. And I've seen a glory cloud. When I was in Guatemala preaching, that happened. And it's wonderful. And the power of God was there. But the glory of God is not in glory clouds. It's not just in glory clouds. God doesn't just come into a room to show a cloud. The glory of God is not in dust and gold dust and feathers and, you know, golden teeth appearing in the back of your mouth. Although I don't doubt things like that can... Who knows? But if it was real gold... You can take it to the bank and cash it in. God's not putting gold in your hands so that you can marvel at it. He's putting gold in your hands so that you can cash it in and make money to produce more for the gospel. Can you, can you get an amen? Can I get an amen for that? But um, God's glory is not manifest in, in, in some like mist coming in the air. God's glory is in healing people. God's glory is in a changed life. God's glory is in a demon getting cast out. And one who's been bound generation after generation, the whole family bound by demonic spirits. All of a sudden, God breaks them free. And now the lineage of that man changes so that they're no longer people that are dabbled in the occult. But now a generation of preachers emerges. That's the glory of God in manifestation. It was, if I, when I had OCD, and I, if I was in my living room listening to a broadcast, and I remember listening, and the man was preaching Isaiah 53, Matthew 8, 17, that God wills for me to be healed. And if all I had was God come in with a mist or a cloud, and I just stayed there, and nothing happened. I didn't get healed. I didn't get restored. I didn't get any type of uh, breakthrough in my body or in my mind. What good would a cloud do for me? It would do me no good. When we sing, show us your glory, what we're asking God for is, Lord, let there be a fresh demonstration of your power, your goodness. 
The Bible says the goodness of the Lord endures continually. Taste and see that the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Imagine if I got up on a platform at a crusade in front of 10,000 people. Believe in God for salvations, people to come to Christ that night. And I got up and I presented the five following points to my audience. I said, number one, I'd like to discuss, maybe it is not God's will for you to be saved. Number two, I'd like to follow that point up by saying, perhaps this sin that you're going through is for the glory of God to be revealed. Number three, I'd like to continue on in my sermon tonight by saying that perhaps God is using this sin to discipline you and train you in righteousness. Number four, I would love for you to be to understand that sometimes God demands you to be patient in sin until God wills to save you because God has an appointed time for you to be saved. And in conclusion, I would love to finish off this sermon by saying that perhaps the days of conversions is past and we're in a new dispensation of God's grace and glory and God doesn't quite save the way He used to in the days of Jesus and of John the Baptist and of the days of the apostles and of the early church. That the days of miracle conversions are gone and um, we're all still in sin. How many people do do you believe would have faith that when I gave the altar call to lift their hand and say, I'd love to pray that prayer with you today. I'd like to get saved. <laughs> Nobody. Why are not more people healed in Christianity? Why are not more people walking in divine health? Simple answer. Very simple answer. People have not been taught and preached the doctrine of divine healing. Why was there an up? Uh, why were there so many healings and miraculous manifestations in the 50s and 60s? Because there was a group of people that they called um, the Voice of Healing Revivalists, Oral Roberts, R.W. Shambach, A.A. Allen, that were pitching tents all across the United States of America and telling the people that God's healing power was not of yesteryear, but that God still heals today. And as a result of that word, you remember Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by what? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And faith is an ultimate requirement for your physical healing. Jesus, when he turned to that woman with the issue of blood, he told her, Woman, thy faith has made thee well. He didn't say, Woman, the Holy Spirit has made you well. He didn't say, Woman, I have made you well, even though, yes, the source of power is the Holy Spirit and Jesus. But he didn't say, Woman, uh, my faith has made thee well. He said, Woman, thy faith has made thee whole. So faith plays a a huge part, 99.9999% of you getting well. And if you're not taught the word of God as it really is, how will you, if faith comes by hearing God's word and continuously hearing and understanding the word, and you're not told from the word of God, God's will concerning your healing, how will people have faith to actually believe God for healing? That's why people stay sick to this day. That's why Christians still suffer day after day, year after year. Because they're not absolutely convinced, fully persuaded, Abraham said, that what God had promised, He didn't promise for everyone but me. He promised it specifically for me. That's the the mentality you have to get. 
Not God's promises are for everyone but me, but that God's promises are for me specifically. And if anyone else wants to get in on the fun, they can. They're more than welcome. But if everyone dies sick, I'm going to walk in healing. If everyone stays sick, I'm going to stay healthy. If everyone, the Bible says in Psalm 91, if sickness kills off a thousand to my left and 10,000 to my right hand, these things will not come near me. For as for me, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Jehovah Rapha lives in me. And if God who is healing lives in me, then God does not co-occupy the throne of my body, of my heart. The Bible says, know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. God's residential address on the earth is where you're at. And God already said, does the temple of God have anything to do with the temple of demons? Absolutely not. Does light have any fellowship with darkness? Absolutely not. Does uh, belly out Satan have any fellowship with Christ? Absolutely not. And I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says you are to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price. The blood of Christ was shed for you. I mean, people that say healing's not that important, they're brain dead. <laughs> I can't get it when people say, you know, ultimately, what's really important is that we go to heaven. Healing's not that important. You know, that's why if people die of sickness, think of it this way, they got to go to heaven. Yeah, that is great. They did get to go to heaven. But for you to be little healing, for you to be little healing, to make it seem like it's like some extra blessing that really has no... Uh, God really has no value for it. You know, ultimately, he just did it for a few extra people that, um, that he favored a little more than others. That healing, ultimately, you know, it, it's like the cherry on the cake. It's, it's not the substance. It's just the cherry on top. You're belittling what Jesus took stripes on his back. Do you think that was comfortable for him? To have his muscle tissue ripped out of his back as he took stripes on that cross, on that, on, as he was tied to that wooden beam? Do you think he did that? Because, you know, well, the Bible says that, the prophecy says that I would be crucified at like midday and it's only 11 o'clock. Let me just take this pit stop at the whipping post so that we kill a little extra time because or else prophecy. No, he did it with a purpose. He did it with a purpose. So for you to say healing's not that important, you don't really understand. The substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. That the Bible says he bore our sins in his body as he hung on that tree. That we should die to sin and live to righteousness. By whose stripes you are healed. You were healed. The price for your physical healing was the stripes laid on Jesus' back. If all Christ wanted to do was to get you to heaven, he would have just hung on that tree. He would have just been... Because all, you know, really all you had to do was for you to uh, be forgiven of sin. And the way he took out the sin was he was pierced through for our sin. So if all he wanted to do was get you to heaven and secure your eternal destiny, he would have just skipped the whipping post. He would have not have taken a crown of thorns. He would have gone all through those preliminary things leading up to the cross and would have went straight for the cross. But he didn't. Because if Jesus... It took the blood of Christ from his back to get you healed. Don't insult the spirit of grace. Don't trample upon the blood of the Son of God nonchalantly, irreverently. 
saying, well, if God heals me, then amen. If he doesn't, well, you know, some of us have different crosses to bear. The cross that Jesus said you're to bear is not the sickness in your body. The cross Jesus told you you have to bear is the persecution that would come as you call on the name of Jesus, as you walk out your life as a believer, as you walk worthy of the manner of the calling unto which you were called. That's the cross that Christ has called you to bear. Not sickness and disease. The cross that you have is every Christian has the same cross. It's persecution that we face as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy, you are to know you are to, that you will suffer. Everyone who, in, who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus told Paul, I will show you what great things you must suffer for my name's sake. And we saw the things. He was whipped three times. He was bruised. He was, uh, the Bible says, left at sea. He was shipwrecked three times. I mean, you study the things Paul went through to get the gospel to people, to the unreached world. That's that's the cross that Christ has called you to bear. Not sickness and disease. Why would God lay sickness on Christ to break us free from it? And then on another in another area, or for you concern specifically, lay it on you. The devil will <laughs> the devil cannot lay on you what God laid on Christ at that cross. He cannot lay on you what God already laid on Christ at that cross. He bore our sickness. And he carried our pains. So the devil has no legal right to lay on you what Christ already bore for you. And Christ will not ask you to bear something he already bore for you. That's why when when the when Jesus turned to the disciples, he didn't say, I'm going to bear your, your, your uh, persecution. John 16, 33. In this world, you will have persecutions. He didn't say you're not going to. He said you will. You can't get around that. But you know what happens? We live in North America, in westernized Christianity, where we don't really have much persecution. Outside of recent times, we've had a little verbal persecution. People are starting to persecute us verbally, vocally. But very few people, I mean, you had Rodney Howard Brown in Tampa and a few other pastors get arrested. So that's like, that is like the climax of the amount of persecution we face in America and in Canada. But you go, and that's where people get it wrong, is they read the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and they're literally, they're literally seeing the word suffering or persecution or uh, the weight of, the weight of suffering as they read those letters and they're they're appropriating that to their own lives as meaning sickness disease you know loss loss of a job loss of employment that's not the suffering peter was writing to the church at rome about the suffering he was talking about was that there was the emperor nero that was about to literally impale christians and hang them on his lawn set them on fire to give him light as he walks through his garden that was the suffering he was talking to and referring to. When he talks about uh, you are to endure sufferings as a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Bible says that the sufferings of his present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory. He's not talking about the sufferings of sickness of this present time. He's talking about you dying for the gospel. He's talking about you going to the stake for the, for the gospel. Of you know 11 of the 12 apostles were, 
were, were, were, were martyred for the gospel. The only one that got out of it was John, the apostle, who they tried to boil in oil, and he, wasn't, uh, he didn't die, so they exiled him to Patmos. But 11 of the 12 disciples, they, Peter was hung upside down. So when, we're ta- when Jesus talks about suffering and persecution, he's not talking about satanic oppression. You have to m- put a distinction between the two, because if you don't, your theology is going to be messed up, because you're going to be wa- you're going to always be wondering what's persecution and what's suffering. What you know, you're just going to bunch them up all together. But there is a distinction. There's a difference. There's things that the devil tries to bring your way, and there's things that man, because you love God, will bring your way. One, God has promised to break you free from. God has promised to, to keep you safe from. The other, you read the book of Revelation, and Revelations, uh, Jesus told one of the church, if you'll perse- persevere to the end and not love your life, even unto death, I'll grant you the crown of life. So one, you're to endure through. The other, you're to break free from. You're to be released from. So number one checkpoint on your way to divine healing is understanding that it is God's will for you to be healed. Knowing God's will concerning sickness provides the ground where now faith can exist. Remember James 1. The Bible says in James chapter 1 that when you come to God, you're to pray to Him in faith, not doubting. Not doubting. For he that doubts is like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. Tossed to and fro, up and down. There's people that are led by their senses. What do I mean by that? They're led by their feelings. When they feel healthy, then they can declare God's promises for for healing. When they feel healthy, then they believe that they're healed. But the moment a symptom or pain arises, then they immediately... Say, oh, I must not have been healed. I must not have received uh, healing in my body. They're led by their senses. They're feeling led. They're emotionally driven people. But when you understand God's will concerning healing in your life, you don't have to be led by your emotions. It, it now puts a resolution in you where you resolve that enough is enough when it comes to sickness That the same God who wills for me to be saved is the same God who wills for me to be healed. And the same way I obtain salvation, I'm going to obtain my healing. And it puts a fight in you to fight the good fight of faith so you can lay hold on that which Christ Jesus has laid hold for you. But if you don't understand that it's God's will to heal you, you, the devil can take advantage of you (laughs) every day of the week. The Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices lest we be taken advantage of him or by him. Let me move on or else I'm never going to get through it. Number two, now that you know it's God's will, number two checkpoint, you're to check up on the promises of God. Do you, are you just saying that it, you know, God's going to heal me because you heard the pastor tell you? You know how many people have said, you know, I have a word from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me in prayer that He's going to heal me. Why do you need, it's not like God has this book called the Bible to tell you what His will is, but then He has special revelation that He allows only a few people to come in on. It's not like God said in His word that, I, you know, 
Not everyone's going to get healed. You disciples, don't you go out and think that if you lay hands on all the sick people that they'll all get healed. I have special revelation and you're to be sensitive to that so that wherever you go and minister, I'll show you the ones I want well and I'll show you the ones that they should stay sick for the glory of God. That's not the way. The Bible says, as you go, Jesus told his disciples, preach this gospel to every creature. And to him that believes, he will lay hands on the sick. To him that what? Not to him that has special revelation. To him that believes. Believes what? God's promise. So in order for you to believe, your faith will never rise higher than your actual knowledge of God's word. You can't believe beyond the word of God. So you can't believe what you don't know exists. And just... Having seen a Facebook meme or a post that came up, click amen and God will heal you. Click or uh, uh, please like if you believe God will heal you. That's not faith at work. That's the devil literally trying to get people to have this illusion of faith, this illusion that they're actually believing God as they click amen or if you share this, God will heal you. What demon? Charlatans trying to advance their own Facebook audience by uh, doing things that are totally not in the Word of God. They're trying to get more likes on their posts by taking advantage of simple-minded people. That's, uh, there's no book in the Bible that says if you'll click like on a Facebook share, on a Facebook post, or share it, or write amen, that you know, you'll get extra favor with God where God will pull through for you. No way, Jose! And if your name's Jose, maybe that's a specific word for you today. Check up on your promises. Can you point to me in this book a scripture that you're standing on for your physical healing? Can you do it? Or if I ask, you know, there's so many people that come up to me. Brother TJ, can you pray for me? Uh, I have... uh, I have this problem in my body and here's the way it makes me feel. I have this symptom, that symptom. You know, I have high blood pressure and because of it, I get lightheaded when I walk too much and and uh, also I, I I get panic attacks sometimes because it feels like I'm I'm about to have a heart attack and, and here's a, a list of symptoms and I even went on WebMD and here's a sheet of paper that I printed out that lists out every symptom. Could you just keep me in prayer? That It's okay, sure, I see the symptoms. Can you point to me one scripture you're standing on? Well, well, I know God can heal. And uh, Is there a specific scripture that you're believing God from that scripture? Where your faith, your, if your faith is void of scripture, if your faith doesn't have the foundation of scripture upon which it stands, then that faith is not on Christ the solid rock. That faith is doomed to fall. It's on the sand. Which the Bible says when the winds come and beat against the house, the house falls and great is its fall. Great is its fall. That faith has nothing to stand on. That's why you're driven, tossed to and fro like like the waves on the sea. Up and down. Up today. I feel good. Man, I I believe. You know, I shared that Facebook post today. Man, I feel good. I feel positive about this. And then the next day, you wake up with alarming symptoms. Man, I don't feel so good. You know, maybe God's not going to heal me. Pastor, could you keep me in prayer? You're up and down. You're in a, an emotional frenzy. And the Bible says, let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth. He preached to them. And they took offense at him. And he marveled at their unbelief. Unbelief. Which is wavering at the promises of God. Not holding fast the confession. That if God's word says I'm healed. Then I'm healed. And these symptoms are a lie. The word of God is, a true, is the truth. But if you're wavering up and down. Based on the way you feel. Based on the emotion. You know. There's a man I was just reading in uh, a book by T.L. Osborne, Healing the Sick, where he had been, a uh, doctor said that he had an infection in his knees and they were going to amputate. And he came to a T.L. Uh, Osborne crusade. The Lord healed him supernaturally. A week later, he started to get alarming symptoms in his body. In his knees again, the same symptoms he felt before. And instead of just saying, well, it was fun while it lasted. As if God is like some unreliable chump. As if God is like faithful one day, but His mercies are not renewed every morning. So you're going to have to, I'll heal you today, but don't think it's going to last. As if God is like, you know, some made in China Tupperware. After you've put like three things in it, it all of a sudden starts to stink. And you can't wash that stink out of it, and it's just good for the garbage. God, whatever the Lord does, the Bible says, it shall be forever. It shall be forever. So instead of lining his confession up with his pains and symptoms, he said, no, the word of God. See, the problem is, is too many people, their faith is in the word of a preacher. And their faith is in the word of an Instagram meme. And their faith is in the word of another or in the, in the way they feel and not in God's word. And as such, see God's word, forever, O oh Lord, that word is settled in the heavens. The word of God is settled. So when your faith is truly in the word, your case is settled. No matter what you, you see on the outside, Abraham, in hope against hope, believed According to that which was written. He believed according to what was written. Irrespective of his symptoms. Irrespective of the deadness of Sarah's womb. And by faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. So he said, by his stripes I'm healed. That pain went away. He never had to get amputated. He never had to lose his legs. And he lived free from that pain the rest of his life. You know why? Because the Bible says, when an unclean spirit, when a devil leaves a man, not only when he's, if it's someone who's demon-possessed and they need to be exercised, even if it's a spirit cause, a spirit-driven pain in your body, a demon spirit, because, you know, you have to understand, uh, I think it's one-third of every healing Jesus did, there was a demon spirit at the root of that sickness. And when an unclean spirit leaves a man, he goes and finds seven more spirits, more wicked than he, more harmful than he, and he comes in and he tries to afflict that body from which he came out of. But you are to resist him. Stand firm in the faith and the God of all grace will himself perfect, establish, strengthen, and confirm his word for you. Your faith locate in the word of God. There should be three scriptures you know on healing. That not you have to go up and look it up every single time. That you, you have in your heart. No matter what I'm feeling, he bore my sickness and carried my pains. Number one. Number two, 
I will restore health unto you, and I will heal thee of thy wounds. That's in the book of Jeremiah. Number two. Number three. The Bible says in, uh, in, in the book of Mark, Jesus told the paralytic, which is easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven, or pick up your bed and be healed. But that you might know that the Son of God has power on earth to forgive of sins, I say to you, arise and be healed. That's three scriptures. Number four, let's go, let's go on. Exodus 15, 26. I, the Lord, am he that healeth thee, and I'll not let any of diseases which came upon the Egyptians to be, to be allowed to come upon you, for I am the Lord who heals thee. Number five. Exodus 23, 25. If you will serve the Lord your God, he will bless your bread and your water, and he will take sickness out of your midst. Let's do seven. Number six. The Bible says in uh, the book of Jeremiah, 8.22, I believe it is. 8.22, it says, I am the balm of Gilead. Why then is the daughter of my people not healed? Is there no balm in Gilead? Why then is the daughter of my people not healed? Showing you that the balm of Gilead, which was who was Jesus Christ in the flesh when he came, was the source of all healing, the source of all power, the source of all miracles. And then number seven, to top it all off, the Bible says, that uh, in James chapter 5, are any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and the prayer of faith as they anoint him with oil will save the sick and the sick will rise up. That's seven scriptures off the top of my head and there's so many more. There's so many more that you can run through. The Bible says, and at evening they brought unto him all that were sick and demon possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word and he healed all that were oppressed that it might be fulfilled. What the prophet Isaiah said, he bore our sickness, carried our pains. There's eight. So you understand why I walk in divine health now. Because anytime, it's not that I never feel a symptom or anything. Anytime I feel the slightest of symptom, I now have the arsenal of the word of God. To rise up in my spirit. The moment I feel a, a counter symptom come in my body. I have arsenal now. To rise up in my spirit. No. There was a tumor, a, a lump in my wife's breast. A couple of years back. And she came and told me. She said, I'm only going to tell you. I'm not going to tell anyone else. But believe with me for this thing to go. So I anointed her with oil. And we prayed the prayer of faith. Nothing happened. We kept declaring the word of God. Kept declaring the word of God. And I don't know how long it was, a couple of months, two months. She was in a meeting once with me preaching. I called her out, laid hands on her the next morning. As you know, the Bible says when the cloud is filled, the water will come down. So as you keep declaring the scriptures, the promises of God that you've located in the scriptures. As you keep speaking that out over your situation and not wavering. Not getting discouraged, but refusing to fear, refusing to quit, refusing to give up, knowing that he that began a good work shall complete it. You keep on doing that. Well, in that meeting, when, I, when the anointing was heavy in that meeting, power of God hit her. Next morning, she woke up. The thing was completely gone. 
or it was like tiny, tiny. And then a couple of days later, it completely left. It, it eroded under the power of God as we kept not only being able to quote the promises, but believing. Mary, blessed are you who believed, for there shall be a fulfillment of those things promised by the Lord. Check up on your promises. Faith begins where the word of God is known. Daughter, thy why is faith essential in healing? Because Jesus said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. That woman, the Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that was dying, Jesus turned to her and said, woman, great is thy faith. Let it be to you as you've desired. When your faith says yes, God will never say no. When your faith resolves that today I'm healed, God will not contest it. God's not against you. God's not fighting your... The fight of faith is not against God. You're not trying to twist God's arm to get, you, get Him to do something for you. God's already... His arm is already stretched out for your healing. Your faith is literally you stretching out to lay hold to His healing hand. And as you do... The lightning of God zaps into your body and it electrocutes every foreign substance like sickness and disease. Number three, and I think I'll finish with this today and then we'll pray and then we'll finish it up on Thursday. Number three, you need to check in on your joy level. So number one, understand God's will for your healing, that He desires to heal you. You're not working against Him. You know, it's funny how everyone who, who, who says, well, maybe it's not God's will for you to be healed, just, you know, endure the pain and whatnot. They're the first ones to recommend a specialist. Well, we know, you know, it's not God's will to heal you, but, you know. But in the meantime, I have this specialist. He's like, they're so quick to brag on a specialist that they know has helped someone else. But then, when it comes on bragging about God's healing power and His ability to heal, it's like they're nowhere to be seen. If, if it's not God's will for you to be healed, let's say you hold to that doctrine. Why are you going to a hospital? Why are you taking a pill? If God want, sees it fit for you to suffer in this sickness or this disease or this pain or this headache or this fever, whatever, why would you oppose God's will by going into a, a, a hospital, which would be a, a house of rebellion in this case, to try and break free from the thing God very des so desires for you to walk in why you would be in sin the moment you put IV in your body to try and alleviate you of the pain if God sees it fit for you to be sick and you to walk and, and, and endure this pain and suffering as a faithful disciple because obviously there's some lesson that God could not teach you unless he brought you through this valley of sickness why seek to break? Why seek to be released from the very thing God desires for to, to cling to you? Doesn't make any sense. That's why I'm not against doctors. At least doctors have brain knowledge and brain power enough to work their whole life, go to school, study seven, eight years, ten years, some, to get their PhD so that they can at least help mankind in whatever area they can, however they can, with the advancement of medical science. To alleviate people of the burden of sickness. At least they have brains. Unlike some preachers. To help people. To alleviate them from that thing which is called a curse. At least they're working hand in hand with God. To a certain extent. 
And you know what's funny? Another thing I was thinking of before. Everyone who says, you know, who believes that it's not God's will for, for people to get healed, that you can't, you know, I, I can guarantee you there'll be someone that'll write me after this broadcast. You know, it's really insensitive for you to tell people that God wants them to be healed. What if they don't get healed? What if they do get healed? And, and it's not me. Well, you, you know, Brother TJ says it's always God's. No, Brother TJ didn't tell you one thing. Brother TJ just read from the word of God and told you what God, I'm just a messenger. Don't hate the messenger. If you want to hate someone, you got a bit to pick with someone. Go after the one who wrote the book, the Holy Spirit. I'm just, re I'm just reading. That's right, Shiloh. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are is literally the, the exact representation of God's will on the earth. Forty times to be healed. And every single time, He healed them all. It wasn't He healed some. He healed them all. So it's funny how people that say that like bash on divine healing are the first ones to celebrate advancements in med medical science. They'll bash divine healing. They'll put up Netflix documentaries called The American Gospel. That, you know, the next time someone sends me a link to go and watch The American Gospel on Netflix, if you are getting your theology from Netflix, you might have to check if you're even saved. If you're getting your doctrine from Netflix, Netflix that has 13 reasons why you should kill yourself, Netflix that has drag queen documentaries and all kinds of stuff. You're going to take what they had to say and believe that for yourself rather than 1,600 pages in my Bible of God's will concerning you. You're actually going to... Well, you have to... I'm sorry. You're not bright. If I get one more person, send me that. I might reply in harsh terms because it's irritating me. Like, how dumb can you get and still breathe? You're really going to use Netflix as your compass navigating theological doctrines? So it's funny how people that bash divine healing are the first to celebrate advancements and they're the ones pushing for a coronavirus vaccine. I got a better vaccine. My son, depart not from my words, incline thy, wor thy, thy heart unto my sayings. For it is life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. The Word of God, I inoculate myself day in and day out with this book. And it produces in me health and vitality. Jeremiah, the Bible says, I have brought unto them health and a cure, and have revealed unto them the abundance of truth and righteousness. God's Word is health and a cure. But I want to tell you, the third checkpoint, and we'll have four on Thursday, but the third checkpoint that we're going to go through, and this is important, Check up on your joy level. Check up on your joy level. Nehemiah chapter 8. And we're going to pray after this. Thanks for joining me. If you haven't shared the broadcast, you'd do a great, be a great service to me if you, if you uh, shared the broadcast today. Nehemiah chapter 8. Get this. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priest and the scribe, the Levites, who taught the people... And said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. So don't mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Weeping does not bring healing. Weeping does not bring healing. Every time Jesus did a miracle in the Gospels, 
The first thing he had to do was weep not. He told them, weep not. That widow of Nain whose son was dead in a casket as they carried him out of the town, he saw her weeping, he felt compassion, and he told her, weep not. If you're going to... Weeping and gnashing of teeth is the environment the devil likes to keep. And hell will be full of it. But if you're going to plug into God's miracle working power for your body and your life, if you're going to walk in hell, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. It's a broken spirit that dries the bones. He said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not sorrow. You have to check up on your joy level. If you're not happy, not joyful, depression causes more sickness than the devil can ever hope to bring on someone's life. That's why even in medical science today, they believe. They believe that if you will, uh, if you'll just get someone to laugh enough, it'll actually generate a healing flow into their body. If you'll set up an atmosphere of joy in their life, that's why they put them and they lock them in rooms with stand-up comedians and funny movies to get cancer patients, terminally ill patients, to start laughing because as joy bubbles up, healing is generated in their whole body. Well, that's not something new. Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your strength. It produces strength. Where there was weakness. And you want to know something? Nehemiah 8.10 that's, that joy doesn't come haphazardly. The Bible says when they understood the words of the book of this law, they began to rejoice and to shout for joy. Joy is rooted in your understanding. So if you're sick, you know, anxiety is really rooted in unscriptural circumstances and scenarios. Things that could happen to you. That's why, that's where anxiety comes from. You're dwelling on things that perhaps could happen. But they're unscriptural scenarios. Because God promises you victory everywhere in life. So anxiety stems forth from dwelling on unscriptural scenarios of failure, of misery, of, of not making it, of dying in tragedy, dying prematurely. That's where anxiety comes from. But joy comes... From the absolute confidence in the understanding that God can never fail. And that God, with God, nothing is impossible. That's why if the doctors gave you a bad report, there's nothing we can do. You're going to live like this forever. You've got six weeks to live. There was a, a Dodie Osteen, John Osteen, Joel Osteen's father, who founded Lakewood. John Osteen, his wife Dodie Osteen, in uh, 1981 or whatever it was, 1981 or 1990, one of those two words, I mixed up the, the dates, was diagnosed with liver cancer. And the, not just any liver cancer, the most aggressive liver cancer that, that, that is known to men. The doctor said you might have at most six weeks to live. So she went home. And instead of sorrowing in the doctor's report, she rejoiced in God's report. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord and rejoice always. 
Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in his word. Rejoice always. The Bible says the word of the Lord, when it's found and you do eat it, it becomes joy and gladness to your heart. She went home. She took the word of God and she put it on the floor and stood on it and said, Father, I'm standing on your word that by your stripes I'm healed. And for week on week, you know what she also did? You know, if you want an atmosphere, if you want to live in joy, you got to get rid of things that produce sadness, that produce depression in your life. If someone calls you and every time they call you, it's like you get sad, whatever, you get weary, you get downtrodden, it feels defeat, you feel defeated, you feel like before you took that phone call, you can, you know, conquer the world. After you took that phone call, it feels like the world's conquering you. You got to drop those contacts out of your phone. You know, the great thing about caller ID is you can change the name from you know Aunt Sue to don't answer this phone call your joy depends on it you can you can choose who you talk to choose who you associate with and you got to strip the things that run you dry in your joy bank out of your life you got to strip those things out he that walks with the joyful shall be joyful he that walks with the sorrowful shall be sorrowful you have to set things up in your life to produce to generate joy so what did she do she went home she took she put up the, the the pictures that she had stored up over the years where she looked the healthiest, where she looked the, the strongest. Pictures of her riding horses, pictures of her vacationing in Europe, pictures of her in her happiest days. And she put them in uh, photo frames and hung them around her wall so that every she didn't look in the mirror. She took down all mirrors because she was going, she was like skin and bones at this point. She was growing weary. She didn't look good, but she didn't consider the things that were. She called those things which be not as though they were and what generated that ability that confidence to call those things were uh those things which were not as though they were was her unshaking uh her unshaking persuasion that god's word is true and so she set up her whole house that way so everywhere she looked she didn't look in the mirror she looked at her healthy she looked at herself strong she looked at herself riding a horse and i tell you that was in 1990 i believe it was she's still alive this day that she's like 86 87 88 years old she's still healthy her mind is so alert she still reads scriptures at Lakewood she'll get up and exhort the crowd she still runs her own Twitter account for goodness sake the lady is like Terminator she never died why because she refused to die she refused even though she was diagnosed with terminally ill cancer given six weeks to live she said no the doctors don't get to decide when I die the devil doesn't get to decide when I die Satan doesn't get to decide my date of death the end enemy might have been able to to put sickness on me before but now that I've come in the light of God's word he might have started things off roughly for me but he's not a deity he's not God he cannot prophesy he cannot speak forth your future he might have done something in your past but he has no ability to prophesy your future so he can't tell you when to die Jesus Christ holds the keys of death hell and the grave and he already said with long life you'll be satisfied and I'll show you my salvation. Refuse to die. Get something in your heart today. We're like the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'm going to be violent in my faith today. Given these three checkpoints, I'm not going to stay sick. I'm not going to just temper and pamper and placate sickness and nurse it in my body. From today, I, origin, I locate the origin of sickness. It's Satan. Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with boils. 
Satan is the originator of sickness. There was none of it in Eden. It came as a result of the fall of man. Sin and sickness, the Siamese twins of hell, came and destroyed and continued to destroy man's lives and destinies. But thanks be unto God, he sent a redeemer. It was fit that if Satan brought sin and sickness, our redeemer would bring righteousness and health. That redeemer is here today, ready to break you up, take you out of that sickbed, raise you up from penury, from disaster, from destitute of sickness, and bring you in to his healing package in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will not die. I don't care what the doctors told you. I don't care if that tumor's still growing. That tumor withers today in the name of Jesus. It, it withers to nothing. Let Jesus cursing the fig tree, it gets cursed to nothing. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Check up on your joy. Be happy. Don't let the symptoms dictate your joy levels. Let the Word of God be the arbitrator in your heart. Don't lower your theology to match your tragedy and then produce more depression and sorrow and anguish of heart. Instead, release yourself from religious crap. Open up your Gospels and see how everywhere he went, he made the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He made the lame to walk. He made the mute to sing. He opened up the prison doors. He made that man with a withered hand to stretch forth and his hand was restored as that of the others. He made that paralytic who had never walked. When he told him, son, your sins are forgiven, you got to see it that way. The same day, the same moment, you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior from sin. You also need to accept Christ as Savior from sickness. He said, which is easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven to rise up, pick up your pallet and be healed. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. He heals all my diseases. And in the same verse, he forgives all my sins. If you're going to believe God that he forgave you of sin, well, it's in the same verse. He heals you of all your diseases. He's Christ, the Savior of the body. No man ever hated his own body, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as Christ does the church. God loves your body. He died for your body. Yes, he died for you to get to heaven. Yes, he died for you to have a resurrected spirit. Yes, he died so that one day we'll put off this body and put on an eternal body that is created in heaven that, whose likeness and appearance will be exactly like God's, like Christ. For we will see him and be as him, for we shall see him as he is. But he all, you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit which are God's.
The reason why I do these seven checkpoints is because, and we did three today, we're going to finish four on, on Thursday, or else I'll keep you here till 9 p.m. tonight. But the reason why we did it is because the problem, the sickness that is in your body right now, Satan is at the root of it. But his power is not to actually make you sick. His power is to get you deceived. His power is to get you to be lied to. Paul said, I fear as Satan beguiled Eve, so you too would be deceived or corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He can only get you to think that you have to be sick. He can only get you to think that this is God's lesson in life. You know, everybody has their cross to bear. Some, some people it's poverty, others it's sickness, others it's marriage problems. You know, we just got to be faithful in whatever God lays on us. I said it before and I'll say it again. Satan cannot legally lay on you. And God will not lay on you what he's already laid on Christ. God's not schizophrenic. He didn't do something through Jesus and then realize, oh man, you know what? I forgot about that plan I had for that person. No. When God teaches you, He teaches by His Word. He does not teach through sickness or disease. So I want to pray for you today. For you tuning in, you're sick in your body. You've been given a bad report. Doctor said you'll have to live with it forever. You'll have to take these pills three times a day. You know what's crazy is you'll have people, they'll act out their faith when it comes to the doctor's report, and they'll act out their faith when it comes to him giving the instructions that you have to take three pills a day, morning, noon, and evening, and before a meal, and make sure that you take three glasses of water every time you, you take this pill, because it's going to, or else if you don't do it properly that way, it's not going to have the maximum effect on your body. And they'll do it like robots every single day without exception. They'll put an alarm on their cell phone so that it alarms them. It, it alerts them to take the pill. They'll never miss a beat. They'll never miss a pill They're, because they believe what the doctor said about, their, uh, about the power of the pill he administered and they believe the instructions he gave will actually release that potential in the pill into their body so they have no problem following the instructions. Well, I tell you, with man, there's a limit. Pills have a limit. And if God's way is divine healing for all, then why not go to Him? I'm not saying, like I said, you... you I'm not saying drop your medication. I'm not saying drop your whatever, your treatment. Don't ever go see a doctor again. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that instead of directing your focus towards the help that that doctor can bring you, instead of reaching towards whatever prize man can bring you, if all healing is from God, why not go to the source being God Himself? Jesus goes to that man at the pool of Bethesda. Do you want to be made well? Sir, I have no man. Even if you had a man, name me a man that has come up with a cure for paralysis. Name me a man that's come up with a cure 
for stage four terminally ill cancers. Name me a man, even chemotherapy. It's not foolproof. But God's word is tried and true. And even when man is faithless, God abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. And if you're a believer, you have been redeemed by his blood. And forgiven according to the riches of his grace. You've been redeemed. What does it redeem mean? Colossians 1.13. You've been translated out of the domain of sickness into the dominion of light. So walk ye as children of light. Walk ye as children of light. I'm going to pray for you right now. Wherever you're watching, you might even be in a hospital bed right now taking treatment. I want you, wherever you are, take your right hand and put it on as a sign of faith to God. Put it on that area where you're sick. Whether it's your, if it's a bunch of things in your body, just put it on your head. If it's your knees, put it on your knee. Wherever it might be, the pain, the symptom. If it's your heart, put it right on your chest. If it's your intestinal tract, you have problems digesting food, put it there. And we're going to pray right now. And as I pray, I'm not praying for God to heal you. I'm praying that God's redemptive package and power would be released into your body right now. We're going to take charge over that sickness. There's different types of prayer in the Bible. There's the prayer of petition, where you're, you're, you're making a petition to heaven. You're asking God to do something. We're not hoping for healing. That's another thing. You don't hope to be healed. Hope paints the picture of a healthy body. But you have faith to be healed, and faith is not futuristic. Faith is now. Faith takes. Faith reaches into the unseen realm of hope and brings it into the realm of now. We're not hoping for Christ to take a 40th lash on his back. We're not hoping for God to heal us. We're believing God healed us. Remember, when Moses was in the wilderness and the children of Israel complained against Moses and fiery serpents came and they bit and fastened on the children of Israel and they all had fever and some began to die. God cried out to Moses. Moses, told, Moses, God called, Moses cried out to God and God showed Moses a pole and told him to fashion a brazen serpent. The very fiery serpent, the, what represented the thing that was killing the people of Israel. Take it and fasten it. Build one onto a, a wooden pole, a brazen serpent, what represents the curse, and lift it up. And everyone that looks to that brazen serpent will be made well, will be healed. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I, the Son of Man, be lifted up. That when we look, that as the children of Israel looked to the brazen serpent and were healed, as we look to Christ, understanding that the curse of sickness was laid on Him, we understand now that what's in our body has no legal right to remain and we put an eviction notice 
It doesn't have by five o'clock today. It has by the time I'm done this prayer to leave your body in the name of Jesus Christ. Lift your hands, put your right hand wherever that pain is. In Jesus' mighty name, I arrest every symptom, every spirit of infirmity plaguing your body right now. I curse it at the root now. In Jesus' mighty name, I take charge over you, Satan, and command you now to leave their body. Be gone. Satan, be gone. And get lost now in the name of Jesus. I take authority and I adjure you, you foul sickness, heart problems, tumors, lumps in the body, in the stomach, in the intestinal tract, in the brain, cancers in the liver, in the lungs, in the colon, in the stomach, in the mighty name that is above every name, every knee should bow at the mention of the name of Jesus. Every knee of sickness and disease, cancer, diabetes, fibromyalgia, things that have been discovered by science and things that have never been discovered by science. Even doctors have called you an anomaly in the name of Jesus Christ. I adjure that thing, command it to leave now. In Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that it's done. We thank you that you gave us the keys of the kingdom. That whatever we bind shall be bound. And whatever we loose shall be loose. Therefore, as we bind that thing, we also loose the power of the Lord to go through their body. And whatever was deconstructed, whatever was destroyed by that sickness would be restored right now. I, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, let the balm of Gilead cause every withered organ to come back to life right now in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. Now take 10 seconds, lift both your hands and begin to thank God that He healed you. Thank God that the Word of God stands true. That the next time someone comes up to you and says, hey, how's that... Uh, How's that problem in your body you've been facing? How, how's that, that case you have in your body? How's that stomach pain you've been having? Bless God, by His stripes I'm healed. Well, do you still have pains and symptoms? By His stripes I am healed. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you're not the God who was, but the God who is and is to come. I thank you, Lord, that you're Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I thank you, Lord, that we're going to receive testimonies even from this broadcast right now all across the nations of this world that people will start mailing in testimonies, messaging us on Instagram and Facebook of what God did in their bodies even now. Pray the fire of God would go right now that they'd feel a heat throughout their whole body. And even if they don't feel the heat, Father, I thank you that you're working in their body, clearing out every distortion of sickness and restoring that which was lost in Eden in their bodies. Supernatural health and vitality. That even in old age, they'll be fresh and flourishing. 
that they'll grow strong like cedars of Lebanon, that they'll flourish like the palm trees. Like your word says, that in righteousness they would be established and that the last sickness they ever experienced would be the last sickness they ever experienced from this day forward. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you're here today, you need to get right with God. You know, all of these checkpoints mean nothing unless you've been born again. You need to get saved. You need to repent of sin and come to Christ. The way you do that is by believing in your heart and confessing in your life, confessing in your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. So believe and pray this prayer with me from the depths of your heart. Say, Father, I come to you this day. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Restore those things which the enemy has tried to strip from me. Where I was weak, make me strong. Old things are passed away. From today, a new adventure begins. Not alone, but you abiding in me and me walking with you. New things come, for I am a new creature. My sins are forgiven. I am redeemed. In Jesus' name. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.